Welcome to the Mountain Outpost Podcast, the place where outdoor recreation meets conservation and activism. The Mountain Outpost is both a community and a podcast for the lovers and protectors of the mountains. The Mountain Outpost gives a voice to environmental protection in outdoor recreation. Our work connects today's most influential environmental change makers, everyday activists and outdoor enthusiasts, supporting one another to keep our mountain environments beautiful and sustainable. I am your host, Megan Davin. Um, well, Jessica, I want to welcome you to the Mountain Outpost podcast. You know, it was really great that I happened to sit next to you um, at the luncheon at Outdoor Retailer and get to, you know, meet you very briefly as we're all very busy during that time. But how have you been since then? Busy as usual, <laughs> trying to fit in adventures where we can and and uh, just trying to get, you know, it's running your own business. I mean, it's constantly working, constantly on, you know, networking, projects, work itself, you know, stuff like that. So they say when you work for yourself that, you know, you're, you're working 24-7. It's kind of like, well, not really, because I can... Like, I have a friend coming over for lunch for an hour today. I can do that whenever I want. It's in the middle of the day. Um, but, like, yesterday, we I went all day for a hike. I didn't do any actual quote-unquote work, except that the goal of getting there was, like, doing a like, hour-and-a-half photo shoot with the dogs, which was working, but it's, you know, so it's kind of nice that, that uh, you know, fun and work intersect like that, but it still is working. I don't get to 100% completely relax when even I go out and have fun and stuff, but, um, but it's been good. Things have been good. Excellent. That's great to hear. Um, so why don't you kind of introduce yourself and your business and what you do to my audience here? <laughs> so my name is Jessica Williams, if you want to know my last name, but, <laughs> um, and I, I have my own business called Pet Talk Media, and I help um, companies who are either focused on pet products or outdoor products um, for dogs or outdoor products for people with dogs. Um, I help them reach their target customers through social media, and that can mean a whole slew of different things. There's a couple companies that I have actually ran their social media channels for them. Um, I have helped a lot more companies actually look at their their different social properties, you know, their website and their properties, basically do a content strategy for them. I do a survey of their website and all their social media channels, what's working, what isn't, suggestions based on their goals and things like that to really help get them pointed in the right direction. And it's usually just confirming they had a multitude of ideas and it's confirming which direction for them to go. Um, but part of my business is my blog, You Did What With Your Wiener, and it's about hiking with my dachshunds. Everybody's really shocked to see them out on the trails. Um, and I do, as an influencer, make money doing that also. I get paid um, to promote products and services to my audience on my blog. So you have two dogs? Yes, two dachshunds, miniature dachshunds. And what They're, are their names? Uh, Chester and Gretel, and they're both under 12 pounds. Um, Chester's 14 now, but we just went on a hike yesterday. It was about eight and a half miles round trip, about 2,000 feet elevation gain. And and um, and Gretel actually hurt her back earlier this year, so it was a big triumph yesterday that both dogs made it with minimal carrying. We didn't used to have to carry them at all, but now that Chester's old and Gretel's recovering from a back injury, we have to be a little bit more careful and lift them up and down, like the really big jumps and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, they love hiking, so that's great. And people are always surprised to see us on the trails. We get a billion comments. Oh, they made it up here. It's a long way for those little legs to go, but they could outlast me most times. <laughs> What's the best or most memorable comment you've gotten from someone out on the trail? Well, the most memorable are the ones I get most often. 
I guess. <laughs> and and I wouldn't exactly classify them as best. I think people are just looking for a way to, to connect with other people. So they talk about what seems obvious and what is hopefully, you know, going to be something that you guys can both laugh about or have in common. Um, I'll just note that people also don't, don't realize that when I get asked, these are some of the comments, asked things like, did you have to carry them up here? Boy, that's sure a long way for them to go. Uh, it's, it's actually a little bit insulting <laughs> because people think that small dogs aren't capable of doing much or at least not that much. And um, that's what my blog is about is to prove to people that that's not the case. But so I guess I look at it as it's our chance to kind of when they see us and they make those comments, I do laugh it off and kind of our way to educate them, you know, as quickly as you can say in passing or if you're having a chat, I tell them about how much they like to hike and some of the hard hikes that they've done and people are really surprised. So I hope it helps to change minds, but the comments are coming from a place of wanting to, to connect with us. Um, and so they just, you know, it seems funny. You see a dachshund, it's got little short legs, it's small dog to begin with, and it's hiking. Some, some people will laugh and say, as, as we pass them, oh, that little dog can do it, so can I, when they're obviously having a hard time, like, stopping and sweating and things, you know. Not that I don't sweat. I have to keep up with, it's hard to keep up with Gretel. She's fast. That's my younger one. She pulls me the whole way. So, um, but yeah, you know, did you have to carry him up here? Look at those little short legs go. Boy, look at, this is a big trail for those little guys. Oh, they must be so tired, you know. And, and sometimes I get some comments that are leaning more towards the, like, we're kind of judging you and think that you might be kind of mean to make your small dog do this. When it was, so again, we're like, eh, it's not mean at all. We just laugh it off. They love it. They out hike us. You know, we've been hiking for, in case of Chester, He's been hiking. He's 14 now. He's been hiking since he was one. So for 13 years, I've been hiking with him. And he doesn't really want to stop, although I'm making him slow down because he's old. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's great. I mean, I definitely do run into small dogs on trails. And, you know, sometimes they are the ones outlasting me even and seemingly <laughs> having more energy than me. They've got four <laughs> legs. I only have two. Exactly. You know, and there's, I after, you know, watching them and saying, what is it? Why can they go so far and so fast and so strongly? And there's definitely something to be said for a low center of gravity. Like they've got four legs and they've got a low center of gravity. So to them, the, I look at the hill and I'm like, oh, really? You know, look at all the steps and the stairs and just the incline. And I don't think they really see that. I think the world looks more flat to them. I don't know. because Just because they're just lower to the ground and they're, they're kind of little four-wheel drive go. And it doesn't really seem to phase them. That's pretty entertaining. Because, I, <laughs> I mean, I met Gretel at Outdoor Retailer with you. I mean, I wish I could have had the time to, you know, of course, go on a hike and... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See how fast she really does run up things. It, yeah, it, you know, it. I when we were hiking yesterday, we saw people with a lot of big dogs, and, you know, they kind of joked that, oh, you know, my dog helps me up the hill and and stuff, you know, because they pull. And I said, believe it or not, she, she helps me too. You'd be surprised how hard a 10-pound dog who's very motivated <laughs> can pull you. It's, it's, it's definitely, like, if I'm not careful, she can, like, you know, feel like she's a dislocated shoulder or something if I'm not looking and she goes to take off. And, yeah, so. So what is the name of your blog? It's You Did What With Your Wiener. Because... <laughs> Because people, everyone always laughs. It turns out to be a genius choice in names, I guess. You know, people remember what makes them laugh. Um, but it just came from all the years. I've been hiking. My blog's about six years old. But I've been hiking with Chester for at least six years before that. And I'd always tell my friends, you know, yeah, we went here and we went there. And they'd always go, with, with him? Chester went? He made it all the way? You know, even back then before I had a blog, I got, you know got a lot of comments where people were surprised that a small dog, you know, 
funny looking dog, you know, could actually hike and, and do some pretty tough trails and go camping and do all these things. So it just seemed like it literally popped in my head in two seconds when I decided to start a blog because it just was kind of a natural progression or fit. Now, was it started just as a personal blog or did you all of a sudden have the idea for the name and then you're like, I'm going to turn this into something? of like what it is today with that in mind? Uh, no, um, I started it just as a personal blog. I started it six years ago, so blogging to make money wasn't really a thing. In fact, blogging wasn't just beginning to kind of be a thing. There was a whole wave of people that started blogs, you know. Um, the I forget what blog stands for now. <laughs> Something log, but anyway, the... Um, you know, it's just a personal thing. It wasn't it, probably around the time I started, you know, six to eight years ago, people started realizing that this medium was popular. People were reading these things. They started to get more businessy about their blog. I don't know. I found some blogs about six years ago when I was searching, I think, for a vacuum, and I was actually quite irritated. I had no idea what I was stumbling across, but all of a sudden, it was all these personal opinions about these vacuum cleaners, and I'm like, look, I don't want a personal opinion. I want, I want to go to the company, and I want them to tell me the features and stuff like that. And, and then I took, I took, a, well, long story short, I guess, I um, thought blogs were dumb. <laughs> I figured out what a blog was. I thought they were pretty dumb. But I was taking a class where we were required to start a blog. And so, and I'm kind of a, ooh, I don't like that, like the technology, the stuff. But yet, I know I need to learn it. So then I, I hesitate and then I jump in and embrace it. So I need to start a blog I was hiking, it was the day after I adopted Gretel, and we took her on a four-mile hike, um, literally uphill in the snow, both ways, <laughs> and um, and she loved it. She did great, and that's the day I decided to start my blog, so I had zero plan, zero, didn't even know what a blog was, so that's how I started six years ago. I love it. You just kind of jumped right into it, and frankly, I'm not surprised that you found blogs about vacuums, but man... I would have been frustrated, too. <laughs> I, I would love to see if what type of blogs are out there nowadays about vacuums. <laughs> well, I, most of them are the, like, the lifestyle blogs, you know, people blogging about, like, homemaking and children and things like that. But, yeah, there's, I'm, there's a lot of stuff out there now. I mean, I was stumbling across one or two back then, but now there's blogs everywhere you turn. I feel like there's more blogs on the Internet than anything, but maybe that's because I'm really immersed in the blogging world, you know. So this blog kind of launched what you're doing now with, Pet Talk Media, your business, then? Yes. So when did that start? That was it, it, kind of a soft start, if you will. Um, it was kind of a transition into a business. Um, you know, about year three in my blog, I started to really get into it, get into the online communication. Companies started paying more attention to now, you know, what they call, you know, the influencers and stuff. I fell in with a blogging group organization that was, they were modeled after Blog Her, which you may have heard of, which was pretty much the very first blogging organization, at least as far as I know, that was that big to really teach people how to be professional on their blogs and how to potentially make money. And so I fell in with that group and my blog kind of grew after that. But then I started doing things, getting emails from brands that wanted me to write about their product on my blog, but it wasn't a good fit for my blog. And then they would ask me, well, how else can you help us? So I started helping brands maybe with content ideas or maybe not publishing stuff on my blog, but sending them photos and stories to publish on their own blog, um, things like that. But about three years ago, it's pretty cliche, but I had like, a major upset in my family, you know, tragic life-changing event. And I was in a job, my environmental job, which I liked, 
but I just wasn't, life's too short to work for somebody else, I guess. I felt like I just needed to try working for myself, so I quit my job, went back to school, and officially launched my business, Pet Talk Media. And that was just in the last couple years? Yeah, um, about last three years. I think I officially launched it about three years ago. That is amazing. So you just went for it. You went back to school. What did you go back to school specifically to study? Well, so um, I started, so my undergrad, how I ended up in the environmental field is environmental geology. I wanted to be out in it was all about nature and all about like solitude and all about, and somewhere along the way, after I started my blog, I realized actually I'm, I'm not, I'm a very social person and I like connecting with people, whether that's in person or online, you know, over like shared values and shared um, interests. So anyway, when I quit my job, I had started to work in my job into environmental education, more outreach stuff fell in love with that, that kind of solidified my, my drive or that I was heading in the, you know, pointing, that I was heading in the right direction, that I knew I was heading in the right direction. So anyway, I quit my job, um, got a certificate in social media management, and then I went and got my master's degree in, I have to say it, each time I have to like say it out because it's MCDM, it's Masters in Communications of Digital in Digital Media. So it's a communications degree that's um, it was the class was in person, but the content uh, that we learned about was all about online stuff, about online storytelling and online communication. Um, and I focus specifically in storytelling for business and um, social media. That's awesome. So before this, you had a background in the environmental education and. Um, yeah, j- just environmental in general. So, you know, you, you get out of high school and I don't know, some people have a real plan. I didn't have a plan. <laughs> My plan was to wait and see what came along. And through a series of quite fortunate events, I ended up, um, working for Olympic National Park as a, on a one-year project term. And as part of that project, it was part of the Washington Conservation Corps, um, which was a government program to kind of employ youth. And part of their aim was to also educate and give you skills for the future. So we learned a lot about environmental restoration. And after I was done, uh, I did a lot of work with the Olympic National Park. I did... Um, everything you can imagine, but, but mostly like, uh, fixing campgrounds, you know, helping, um, with wildlife issues, helping kind of just talk to the public, educate them on an ongoing basis, trail, trail work and stuff. I ended up earning a certificate in environmental restoration. Um, then I went on and got my undergraduate, graduate degree in geology, focusing on, um, water resources. And then I actually got a job in my field when I graduated college. Um, I worked at, uh, for about the first five years, I worked at um, an environmental consulting firm dealing with groundwater contamination, soil cleanup, uh, wastewater issues. Um, And then another five years, I focused specifically on storm water so water quality like the surface water not the drinking water so i worked for a city and i helped protect the lakes and streams responded to oil spills did education went to visit businesses went to visit residents to talk about maybe their practices and what they could do better um to help comply with regulations and protect the environment very cool and i mean the reason i'm asking you kind of for all of your background for my audience's purposes to get to the you know looking to see your background in both environmental work and your pet business work is talking about dogs and the environment <laughs> it is a hot topic at least yeah, another dog one of those owner, hot topics, i feel like... a lot of pressure yeah it's um 
you know, it's it's the same kind of issue that's going on right now, just whether you hike with with the dog or not. But but just that more um, more people are getting out in the outdoors, enjoying the outdoors. A lot of that's um, driven by, I guess, population density, but also social media drives that a lot. But nowadays, people, um, you know, the last 20 years, the the attitude about pet ownership has really changed. And most people, especially in urban areas where, where the highest concentration of people and pets, see their pets as family. They're part of the family now. And so everything that comes with that applies to a dog. And part of that is taking them on adventures and excursions. People want to camp with their dog, hike with their dog, road trip with their dog. You know, they want to take their dogs everywhere with them. Um, which, again, with more people using the outdoors, it's kind of the same issue. You get, it's hard to, you're not going to motivate people to use the outdoors by educating them about environmental concerns, uh, you know, with the outdoors and then say, hey, go have some fun. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not really, that's not the way it works. It's the other way. People get motivated and inspired to go out before they're really maybe educated on, on what they should be looking for and how they can be protecting these places that they go. So a lot of these people are now going out and using the outdoors themselves and with their dogs, but aren't really aware of the, um, maybe what the old school hikers and backpackers are familiar with, you know, cause they've been doing it for, you know, 10, 20 years, you probably are aware of the environmental concerns and those are the people that are really passionate on educating, but a lot of the people new to the outdoors aren't really aware of the impacts that they can have. What would you describe as the impacts that they can have? Well, so, you know, let's talk particularly or specifically about dogs. Um, yeah, you know, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. The, I was just kind of trying to clarify because a lot of the issues do overlap. Um, but some of the big ones that I see with dogs are, um, you know, you see signs. I saw a sign yesterday, you know, don't cut, don't cut switchbacks, which just means I, it depends on where you live. But where I live, there's a lot of mountains. And so instead of having you hike straight up the mountain, they, they kind of zigzag the trails. It climbs up the mountain. That makes it a little easier, but it also helps with erosion. There's I, I could go on and on and on about how erosion occurs when you don't zigzag up the mountain, but we'll save that for another time. Um, or we can talk about it later if you want to, but but basically it just it's bad. Just know that you know using switchbacks is good. Cutting straight up the mountain is bad. Well, a lot of people want to take. I mean, it's human nature to want to take shortcuts. So you're going down the hill, you want to get down faster, um, or up the hill. And so people will instead of zigzagging up the switchback, they'll just walk straight up the hill from like one part of the trail to the other part, and that's called cutting switchbacks. And um, a lot of people don't know they aren't supposed to do it, but a lot of people don't realize around here it's the law to hike with your dog on leash. Um, most people, a lot of people don't do it. I would say at least 50% don't do it. That's, it's, again, that's a hot topic to get into. I'm not going to argue that point right now, but the thing with having a dog off leash is part of why people like it is because then their dog can just run around to their heart's content, out into the woods, dig things up, whatever, come back to the owners. You know, they're like, oh, my dog doesn't run away. I can still find him. But what they don't realize is their dog is cutting switchbacks. Their dog is going out into the woods and maybe smelling a hole of like a mouse or a squirrel, ground squirrel or something, and digging at it, trying to get in there. So they're disrupting habitat. They're peeing on things. They're pooping. They're they're leaving even though it's a dog, they're still leaving foreign smells. Like it's not other wildlife that these pets are used to, which can really disrupt their habitat. And um, people just aren't realizing that their dogs are doing these things. And so that's kind of something that I'm just kind of getting into, but that I have touched on. Someone would like to do more educating people on my blog about that, about, if you're going to hike with your dog, how to do it 
in an environmentally responsible manner. You know what? Honestly, I've never even thought about even like, because I'll hike a switchback. And most of the time, my dog follows me along the switchbacks Mm -hmm. or follows the trail. But I never even thought of like the fact that when she does cut a switchback, you know, I think of it personally as, yes, I don't want to cut switchbacks because of the erosion. But I never even thought of it as my dog is doing the exact same thing. Well, and so think about this, too. Like, look, I'm not trying to squash anyone's fun, per se. I mean, I understand. You know, dogs are dogs. They have four legs. Technically, they it's arguable, but it can definitely be argued that they have less of a impact with their four feet and smaller um, body size and weight than a human would. But you have enough dogs cutting the switchback. Dogs still pick the path of least resistance usually. So if they're not going to stay on the trail with you and they cut the switchback, if one dog does it and the next dog smells it or sees it, they're going to follow that. And then the next one and then the next one. And pretty soon you have something that looks like a little bit of a trail. Now you have other dogs that are following the same thing. But worse, now you have people who want to cut the switchbacks are going to say, oh, look at that trail. It's going to get me there faster. I'm going to take that. So now you have humans going down it, which makes, which exacerbates it and makes it worse. And, and so even one dog can, and you know, it's no pun intended, a slippery slope. I mean, even one dog can, can lead to, you know, further degradation of that, of that spot. Yeah. And I mean, so many places, they do require on-leash habitats, but or on-leash dog walking, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always, you know, happen. Um, I actually have found, because I moved to Colorado just over mm-hmm. a year ago, and I'd never experienced, in Vermont, all trails seem to go almost straight up. And in Colorado, everything's <laughs> very switchbacky, which, yeah. except for sometimes when you see the frustration of just wanting to get to the top because you're, like, almost <laughs> there and you have, like, another half a mile or so of switchbacks, it's frustrating. But I found because of the larger, where I am specifically, because of the larger wildlife, I keep my dog on a leash because I don't want her harassing things like mm-hmm. bears, moose, and mountain mountain lions more most specifically, probably. But, you know, there is a lot of, sadly, tamer wildlife in the area because it is a popular tourist destination. But Yeah, they get habituated and stuff. I have encountered more people that think I have the world's most unfriendly dog because I am actually hiking with her on a leash. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, that's a whole can of worms, that whole debate. Um, I do think that there are, are, you know, Boulder, you're probably familiar because you live in Colorado. I live in Washington because I think we didn't, I don't know if we said that, but, um, a lot of our mountains, like the as far as the elevation gain and stuff, the high point isn't as high as in Colorado, but the elevation gain is the same as what's going on in Colorado. You know, yep. five, six, seven thousand feet. Um, but you know, Boulder, I guess has I'm still learning about it a little bit, but has a thing called a voice and sight tag, which says that you have to take a class and your dog has to pass a test. And it's basically a recall and manners test. And if your dog passes that, so you can prove and demonstrate that your dog sticks by your side and comes right back to you when you call them, even under, you know, high distraction situations, your dog gets licensed. Now you can hike with your dog off leash. If you don't have that tag, then you get fined for hiking with your dog off leash if you don't have that tag. And I like that idea. I can see, boy, I can't imagine the, the man power and work that it takes to make that that happen. But I really like that program because I do think there are some dogs that are fine off leash. Mine will never be. I have dachshunds. They are hounds bred for hunting, hunting things in burrows, small things that move, badgers, rabbits, mice, things like that. Yesterday... This is the first time this happened. Luckily, my dog was on leash. We're walking. I don't know if you, well, 
you do probably because Colorado, I don't know if a lot of other people listening to the show do, but around here we have what we call pika. And they're basically, it looks like a big mouse, although they're closer in relation to a rabbit, I guess. Um, they're in the scree fields a lot. And they're always going like, beep, beep, beep. And anyway, we were hearing them. We love this this trail we go on because there's a lot of them. Well, we came up this trail, and I don't know. I didn't see it. But all of a sudden, this pika must have been a foot or two from us and darted off the trail down the hill. And my dog literally missed it by get catching it by a nose and it's only because I felt her tug on the leash and I immediately yanked her back and then looked to see this pika like narrowly escape and she would have been gone down that hill probably hurt herself killed the pika stuff like that if I hadn't had her on leash yeah my dog was um a uh, she was a rescue and before I got her she was a street dog so there's definitely some tendencies to uh chase hunt and kill and uh, that's actually like pika and animals like that have made me very much aware of you know hiking with her on leash i what was it in a slightly different scenario had her up i was trying to summit a 14er quandary in breckenridge Mm -hmm. and one report said you know careful there's a lot of mountain goat activity be careful with dogs and i was probably at like say just over 13,000 feet, and there were so many mountain goats around that were not happy, and my dog was not too psyched on them that I turned around because I was like, the last thing I want is a mountain goat to try and attack me and my dog, and that's just a bad wildlife scenario. And, like, Mm -hmm. three weeks later, I read a story about someone who had a dog up there off-leash, and it got attacked, and it had to have surgery, and it's like... It's bad interactions for both humans and the wildlife in general, let alone an injured animal. Definitely. You know, just as an aside, speaking of Colorado 14ers and hiking with dachshunds, we actually, last summer, we took it, my husband and I took a 10-day road trip to Colorado, and um, we hiked to the top of Mount Elbert with Chester and Gretel, which, as you know, is the highest 14er in Colorado, and it's actually the... The first or first, I think, but might be the second um, highest mountain, like 14er in the United States that dogs are allowed on because there's Rainier and Whitney in California, lower 48, I guess. And dogs aren't allowed on those. But Mount Elbert, I think, is the third third one um, height wise, but dogs are allowed up there. So my my dogs and Gretel hiked up there all by herself the whole way. We did carry Chester the last little bit. He wanted to do it, but it's those like rocky stairs and that him being old, I didn't think it was a good idea. Um, but yeah, we love Colorado. If we didn't live in Washington, we'd live there. <laughs> That's a great story though. I didn't even know that about those other two mountains. That's the other thing I've, I've definitely found running into um in certain areas dogs not being allowed in the wilderness um specifically thinking um little and big cottonwood canyon in utah because it's a watershed Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and there's we have some areas here oh gosh there's one called the area is called the enchantments i have seen pictures it is literally like enchanting. It sounds. Like, it is amazing, amazing, amazing. It's so popular that you have to get permits. It's a permits to go there. People are turned away every year. There's a little bit of a lottery system. You hit the jackpot if you can go. People can still they take day trips up there if they want. But the thing is, most of the hikes are too far to do in a day. So your only option is really to get the permit. The thing is. I've never been there because dogs aren't allowed and I don't go pretty, I, on occasion and I will eventually go there, but I hardly go anywhere that I can't hike with my dogs and they aren't allowed there, but it's because it's just so overused. There's already so much human impact. There's a lot of, like you said, the mountain goats, they can be aggressive towards people when they get habituated and towards pets and there are a lot of mountain goats up, goats up there a lot of wildlife it's just a highly highly protected area it's probably the number one protected area in washington state but dogs aren't allowed there and so i just don't go but there and it's very i don't break the rules some people do break the rules um 
that is not a place you could break the rules. It's so visible and people are so protective of the area. Someone would report you and be angry. I'm not saying there's never been a dog up there when there shouldn't be. Um, but usually there's not. However, there are areas where dogs are not allowed that aren't as popular and aren't as well-traveled. And I know that there are people that break the rules and take their dogs in there. You know, one place here in Washington and most of the United States, dogs aren't allowed in national parks. Unless they're in a vehicle or walking alongside the road, they aren't allowed on the trails themselves. Um, again, very visible. Most people don't break the rules there. But, you know, there, there, there are areas of the, of the national parks where a lot of people don't go, where people sometimes break the rules. And then there's also other wilderness areas that are protected because of environmental damage and wildlife, and people will break the rules. And I don't... I don't believe in doing that. The rules are there for a reason, and there's a plenty of beautiful places to go where dogs are allowed, and I think it's important for people to stick, know the rules and stick to them. You know, it's funny you say that about the national parks. It was probably a year and a half ago when I visited, like, my first national park, and I pull up to meet someone at Arches, and I, like, kind of had this vague idea in my mind that my dog might not be allowed somewhere, but I was on a cross-country road trip, and I was just going to figure it out as I went and my dog is nearly climbing out of the car to the ranger station to say hi they also had given her a dog treat mm -hmm. but they were like you know this is where your dog is allowed this is where your dog is not allowed so in the last year and a half through all of my national park adventures I've had quite a few I've definitely had to learn to do things you know with other people and you know in a short time frame quickly you know my dog hangs out or someone watches the dog and I go do something mm -hmm. and it's you know it, it was a disappointing at first factor but ultimately I understand why and actually then it infuriates me when I see people with dogs in backpacks at like you know the delicate arch and I'm yeah you know it, maybe it did stay in the backpack the whole way and I'm pretty sure it did but at the same time it's still the you brought it. Yeah, yeah, and, and those, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially we do a lot of traveling road trips, and we're like, hey, let's swing through. We went to a wedding in Jackson, Wyoming, and so we decided to swing through um, Yellowstone. We had never been there. But, you know, we knew the dogs weren't allowed on the trails, and it was actually too hot to leave them in the car. Otherwise, we would have just left them in the car. So, granted, it was just a day trip, and we were kind of rushed anyway, but some of those trails, I mean, you know, even the, the ones right off the road are a couple miles long or a mile long, takes you 10, 15 minutes. So, my husband and I actually took turns. He would sit in the car with the dogs if we could find a place to park with, with the air conditioning on while I did the loop, and then I'd come back and we'd switch. Um, and there were times where we couldn't even find a place to park, so he would drop me off. And I would do the loop and he would come back and I'd jump in the car and we'd, you know, do this, do the same thing. And yeah, okay. It wasn't, it would have been more enjoyable. Could we, had we been able to take our time and do it together, my husband and I, and we certainly would have loved to do it with the dogs. And oh my gosh, talk about the Instagram photos we could have got if we could do something like that. You know, people do crazy things for the perfect Instagram photo. And there's so many places I would have loved to, to, break the rules just a little, you know, it's just a photo. But, but the thing is, is, is we enjoyed the trip. We followed the rules. We just made arrangements and modified our expectations. And, you know, getting that one Instagram photo is great. But the problem is, is, is other people are going to see that and they're going to want that picture with their dog too. Or they're going to want to go there with their dog, not realizing that I was actually breaking the rules. And so I'm really conscious when I'm taking pictures, you know, it's not just Instagram, but any social media, when and where I'm taking pictures, am I following the rules? Am, you know, am I in a place I shouldn't be? Am I in a situation that's dangerous? Am I, you know, because you are when you're an online influencer like that, or even just maybe, you know, you just post a lot of pictures for your friends and family you are influencing people's behavior. So you have to be conscious about what kind of example you're setting. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Actually, when I, I'm always conscientious about that because I see so many photos and you're like, there's a good number of them where you wonder if that was even legal. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's tough, man, because I I want those photos too, and I look at those and and I'm just like, man, you know, that's the most awesome photo, and it is. But yeah, I know deep down that what they're doing, they're in a place they shouldn't be, or they're you know doing something. You know, I know it's usually just staged, but you know those. It's real. I, I forget. There's a term for them. I forget. But but where you're in your tent and you take a picture out of your tent to like this be- out the door to this beautiful scenery, whatever, and your dog's laying there next to you, and their tents well, right next right next to the lake. Yeah, but you're supposed to you're supposed to camp 200. Was it 200 yards? I think. Yeah. 200 feet or 200 yards. I honestly don't remember, which is bad. But I'm feel on the spot, so no, <laughs> just kidding. But um. So, yeah, you know, that that's great. I would love that picture with my dog, but I know that they're breaking the rules and, you know, in that case, breaking the rules because they've pitched their tent, even if it is just for a photo, too close to a water source and other people are going to try and and copy that. Well, there is the whole Instagram. I don't know if it's just like a hashtag or an actual account, but like you didn't sleep there or you didn't sleep here. Oh, really? Like that. And it's, <laughs> it's for photos exactly like that. A That's tent, funny. A tent on the edge of a cliff. You didn't really sleep an entire night there, you know, <laughs> right next to the water. You're not supposed to sleep there. We know you didn't sleep there. I'm going to have to check that out. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I was going to say, to accommodate traveling with my dog, I actually bought a pickup truck and put a cap on it with pet screens. So if I ever have hmm. to leave her, I just leave the windows wide open because I started having like panicked moments that if I ever did leave my dog in a car even if it was like five minutes someone was gonna like break in and like yeah then it would be way worse yeah yeah that's that's obviously I you know shouldn't leave a pet in a hot car car when it's too hot but there are also yeah there are people out there that believe you shouldn't leave your pet in there anytime because they think that maybe it's too cold or that your pet might end up getting stolen so to teach you a lesson they want to liberate your dog from the car and take them so that you panic and who knows but I don't know anyone that's actually happened to but I have seen passionate people online claim that they will do that in a heartbeat and now I don't leave my dogs in the car in dangerous situations um but even now, usually in the city, not so much out of the city, but I am I am afraid to leave my dogs in the car ever. I do, but I'm still afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to come out and someone's broke my window to get them out because they're convinced they're in distress and it's like 40 degrees out. And <laughs> or they just but yes, yeah, so I, so I know adorable. what you're saying. What's that? Or they're just too adorable that they want your pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've kind of talked about hiking and the environment. What about camping with dogs? What do you recommend with camping? Any suggestions? Um, just like tips to make it fun, or are you talking environmental type stuff? Environmental type stuff, say backpacking trip or anything like that. Well, so this is a big one that I struggle with. Okay, so so. The, the rule is that when if you're going to have to go to the bathroom, with, you know, if you're a human, in the woods, it needs to be the 200 yards from any water source. Um, and But people, again, like we were talking about the switchbacks, you don't think it's such a big deal. But, but people don't think about that with their dog. Now, it's a very hard thing to control where and when your dog decides that it's got to go. You know, you can help by keeping an eye on it, but you can't always keep your dog from going pee too close to a water source. You just can't, you know. And, and I mean, so so I, I'm a realist, too. It's, it's like minimize it when you can. Try, and if you can tie your dog up when you're sitting around camp or something, or at least keep them near you that is far enough away from the water, if they are going to go to the bathroom, it's not a big deal. Um, if you're hiking for a day hike, of course, the proper way to take care of um, number two pet waste with the dog if they poop is to pick it up and carry it out. And I have a, one of those smell-proof Ziploc bags, so I put the bags, the poop bags, in those 
And so it doesn't like my husband hiking behind me doesn't have to smell dog poop the whole way. And I don't smell it like hanging out by my back and stuff. And so you don't really like smell it. But when you're, say you're on a several day backpacking trip or even, you know, camping for a couple nights, do you really want to keep that and carry it? I don't know. So you can bury it like you do with human waste. But again, you have to bury it, um, you know, a certain distance away from water. And I know a lot of places in Washington, you think, oh, I have my little trowel to dig a hole and I'm just going to bury it. But in some places, it's near impossible to dig a hole that's six to eight inches deep down into mineral dirt and bury it like you're supposed to. Um, so, yeah. That's just really hard. But so my tips are to bring the smell proof bag and note wherever you are and you know, try and keep them from going pee too close to a water source. Do what you can there. But oh, no matter where you are, pick up the poop, put it in the bag, put it in the smell proof bag and then eventually pack it out with you. It's not a big deal. If you're going for a week and weight's really an issue um, and you're burying your own, that's not a big deal. But don't leave it where it lies. Pick it up and put it in the cat hole with, with your own. Um, then just the wildlife thing. You know, people around camp, a lot of times, I don't blame them. Uh, I Like I said, personally, I can't do it because my dogs have such a high prey drive. But they may hike with their dog on leash, but when they get to camp, they don't feel like we're not going anywhere. The dog's going to stick close. I don't need to have them on leash. But just be really conscious. Again, are they digging in little burrows? You know, they. you might have a log in camp that people are sitting on, but you can notice there's a little critter, critter hole underneath there. There's something living under there. But So that's in camp, but you turn your back and your dog's trying to dig it out. You know, it, it's you still have to try and keep your dog from disturbing any habitat there is around the camp. You know, some of the most, or most of the wildlife I've run into actually has been at camp because once you kind of stop moving and settle, animals just kind of move around you and accept you as part of, you know, the surrounding environment. And that's where I find it's been, for myself, most helpful to have my dog on a leash. I was actually camping yeah. in Mesa Verde National Park and had my dog on her leash and, you know, the campsite across from where we were had like every morning had three to five deer. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You're very right about that. That's true. I didn't think about it that way, but um, yeah, I have mine on leash. I, I have a, um, I bring a longer leash for around camp sometimes. I don't always use it though, because they can get wrapped around things and drag it across the fire. You know, well, when we're hiking in the, when we're hiking, here you can't have fires because it's it's the elevation and not enough wood and stuff but let's say we're camping in like a state park campground or something like that i still have them tied up um and it's even almost more important there because there's usually more people nearby you and you need to keep them from going in their camp but um anyway i i bring their leash and i have a carabiner i hook onto the end of the leash it's always there and so it's real easy to, to tie it around something, tie it around a, a tree limb or something, because you just loop it around and hook the carabiner back to the leash, and there you go. It's it's tied off, so it's really easy. But if I was at a camp and I was going to be there for longer and I wanted to have more of a free run, then I might take a tether strap, um, you know, and, and tie it from, like, a rock to a tree or around two trees or something, although... There's issues about that too, but we we could go on and on forever. But but when you're looking at the lesser of evils, I think it's it's um because you can damage trees when you if you don't tie stuff around them properly, and especially if you leave it, if you just like it gets caught and you just leave it, that's litter and it can cut into the, when the tree grows, it can cut into the bark and anyway. But is. <laughs> If you can tie it carefully without damaging the tree bark and you're going to leave it when you go, I think it's okay to tie a strap between two trees and then hook your dog's leash onto that so they have kind of a runner to go back and forth. Yeah, I think the, you know, I think the biggest thing we're coming through with this conversation is how important it is just to, it's very similar to, to the human leave no trace rules mm -hmm. and everything. And it's, be smart about it. Think about what you do and you can take your dog where they're allowed most places and they can enjoy like the camping and hiking and backpacking like we do. Mm -hmm. No matter their size. 
it's funny you mentioned the leave no trace. I mean, not funny people. It's as humans under um, most people at least heard of that principle and how it applies to humans. Um, but I'm gonna after this uh, we get off the phone. I'm gonna send you a link. You can share it on your Facebook page if you want or something. But I recently wrote um, a blog post, basically applying leave no trace principles to your dog, hiking with your dog. It's called Tread Lightly on Trails, Leave No Trace Principles Doggy Style. So um, I kind of talk about the Leave No Trace Principles and how you can follow those, help your dog follow those, I guess. You know, make sure that your dog doesn't Im negatively impact the environment also. Oh, perfect. And I'll also put that um, on the show notes page. Oh, cool. No, I mean, I think that's great. I can't wait to read the article. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, like you said, though, it just, yeah, be conscious. But a lot of people don't, yeah, they just don't think, uh, some, some of the reason, they don't think, they think about themselves. They don't think about how their dog's impacting the environment. And some of the reasons are this notion um, that, well, dog, you know, animals live in the woods. Dogs are also animals, so therefore it's okay for animals to live in the woods. Therefore, my dog it, it does doesn't do like doesn't hurt things, you know. But the, but the problem is, and I know there's the same issue in Colorado, um, you know. But around here is that okay? Yeah, uh huh. Wildlife does live in the woods, but it's not that like for example in dog poop when they poop there's a lot of bacteria and stuff humans do that's why you bury it but a lot of bacteria and that can get into the water and things um and people think well but a bear poops in the woods and so what's the big deal if my dog poops in the woods you know because well but when a bear or you know something poops in the woods some wildlife there's also bacteria that's what people get giardia and stuff there's also bacteria in their waste the thing is, though, there's so few of them compared to how many dogs hike the popular trails that they don't have. It's the same impact quality, if you want to look at it that way, not, but not the same quantity. I mean, some of our most popular trails down here can see 50 to 100 dogs a day. Yep. There, there's, there's, I, maybe there is, but in most places you're not even seeing 50 to 100 deer or elk or bear go through a given area in a day, let alone stick to one exact trail, you know? So it's just the, the quantity, you know, people just don't, yeah, they, they just don't get that connection. They don't get that, you know, wildlife, there's, wildlife lives there, that's their home. There's so few that the environmental, the environment can handle what impact they do have. Um, but they don't, realize that it's a totally different ball game when you're talking about um lots of dogs continued use uh, and things in an area so very well said <laughs> um so jessica you know i don't want to keep you too long um wrap up here is there anything that maybe i forgot to ask you that i should have asked you on these topics I don't think so. I think we really covered everything. Like I said, I'll share that blog post with you. I mean, I guess the only other thing is that we've been talking about the environment, which was kind of, you know, our goal for this conversation. Um, but, you know, to also think when you're hiking with your dog, be considerate of other people's experiences. The, I mean, I don't know if you've heard the term noise pollution and stuff, but there, there are other ways to quote-unquote harm the environment that aren't just strictly having to deal with the water or the soil or erosion you know and stuff and part of that is um you know most people know this but just don't uh, you'd be surprised <laughs> or maybe not surprised that that by observing people's behavior some people don't actually know this um 
But, you know, if you are going to hike with your dog off leash and you're coming up to an area that's like a popular lunch spot or something like that, put your dog on a leash. They don't need to be running around up there. I mean, I've been hiking with friends and had like our only lunch we brought stolen by some dog that just bolted out of the woods. And I actually had to call the owner over to get their dog, you know, because they were just oblivious. You know, that's that's not cool. And you know, accidents happen. I was walking yesterday on the trail. We passed this lady had stepped aside with her very exuberant dog. It seemed to be okay. But as I walked by, it was a pretty big dog too. it. It like reared up and like pushed on me kind of, you know, and it, it, I'm a dog owner, whatever accidents happen. It's not a big deal. She was mortified. She was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't expect that. Um, you know, but, but when you can, keep dogs from running up to strangers, um, keep them from jumping on people. You know, it's easy to think, I love dogs, everybody likes dogs, and if, you know, everybody likes dogs, and if you don't like dogs, well, then that's your problem, or something like that. But, you know, not everybody likes dogs in general. Some people are terrified. They've had experiences when they were young, they're terrified. Some people are highly allergic. I mean, they go out for this nice hike, you know, they can breathe fine on the way up, they're enjoying the view, all of a sudden, they practically go into, like, allergic shock on the way down because you didn't, you know, because you let your dog run up and rub all over them and stuff, and and uh, they politely said, oh, gee, it's okay, but it really wasn't okay, and now they're having a miserable time. So just to be conscious of the environment as far as enjoyment of other people on the trail when you have a dog with you. Excellent. I think that is incredibly important that does get forgotten. It's always the little things. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jessica, thanks so much for, you know, taking the time to talk with me today. I definitely learned a lot and a lot of great reminders as well as being a pet owner. But I mean, I think, you know, the biggest takeaway is you can take your dogs outside and you can have them outside and having fun. It's just remembering to be conscientious. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for having me on. I mean, as you can tell, this is something that I thought long and hard about and have, you know, quite a bit of experience with, but I'm very passionate about. And, and I like to think, you know, there's, you pick a certain topic, there's people that are really passionate on either end of the spectrum and so you tend to get in a lot of these arguments um you know take the leash thing people are you know fully for my dog has a right to be off a leash and that's the only they should be a dog and that's the only and then you have people saying you know your dog should you know if it's required by law they should never be on a leash because all of these reasons including the environmental reasons and other people enjoying and stuff but i'm more of a like how can we make this work for both of us person and I I admit personally because of my experience with my own dogs and some other ones I've run into I err on the side of if it's a area where the leash is required your dog should be on leash however I know that a lot of people aren't going to do that but the thing that makes me smile inside is when I notice someone sees me coming with their off-leash dog and they grab onto their collar or they'll stop them and snap on the leash until we pass to me, that's amazing that, you know, I'm not going to judge them for not having their dog on the leash before I come over, but they're being conscious of me and any potential problems and they're being respectful. And that, that means a lot that goes a long way. That's yeah, it, it is definitely very important to be conscientious as a whole because well, frankly, I don't think I know of anyone that's a pet expert and an environmental expert all in the <laughs> same field. It is kind of a unique, like, clash of experience and ideas. And, and yeah, that's kind of, you know, my blog's about hiking with dachshunds. But like I said, I do want to talk more about the environmental responsibility of hiking with your dog. But really where the perfect storm of interests and things come together for me, and that's a lot of the brand's that I help I'm hoping to get closer and closer to this goal is that brands that are really involved in hiking and camping with dogs, but also very involved in the environmental aspect because I'm not to, not to toot my own horn, but I'm perfect for that. <laughs> I love both the things, have both the experience and I'm passionate about both things equally. So. No, that's excellent. I think it's, you know, I, 
realistically, I'm familiar with a, some dog brands and some like outdoor type dog brands, but I don't think I'm necessarily familiar with if any of them have like environmental statements or facts or anything related to the like you're buying hiking harnesses and leashes specifically to going and doing that with your dog so i think that is an interesting but they but they should and i'm the perfect person for it <laughs> i'm just kidding kind of i mean i think that that the trend is going to eventually go more towards that and and i'm definitely interested in helping those companies that want to bring in a more environmental aspect um, to, to what they do. So more education and, and, you know, cause a lot of them outfit the dogs for adventure, but I, it would be great to work with a company that also wants to educate people about doing it responsibly. Yes. And I think what this show, this past uh, summer market show really spoke to that I picked up on, and maybe it was just the type of topics and events I was attending, but, you know, there really is starting to become a push for connectivity, telling stories, telling and showing and sharing stories, but the environmental aspects as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm happy to see that. But... Excellent. Well, I will let you go. You have a lovely afternoon. You too. All right. Have a great day. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening in today. We are a storytelling platform that wants to share your stories. Have a story to share? Head on over to themountainoutpost.com and submit your idea on the contribute page or send an email to Hello at themountainoutpost.com. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter on our homepage. We promise we will not spam you or sell your information, but rather give you updates and share stories. Also, if you have not already checked us out on Instagram and Facebook, go ahead and give us a like. And last but not least, if you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, Be sure to give us a positive rating and subscribe and leave any comments. Until next time, we'll see you outside.